0: May Hashem bless you through the hearing of his word So today, I want to talk about making hard changes, making hard changes in your life. How do you make difficult changes? How do you over overcome stubborn parts? of your personality, that you just can't seem to change. Now, when I'm talking about changes, you know, stubborn parts, it could be weaknesses, faults, bad habits. You know, God loves you just the way you are, but he also loves you so much that he doesn't want you to stay that way. You see, his goal is to make you more like Yeshua. Well, how does he do that? Is it like you're you're walking down the street one day and then suddenly God kind of zaps you with a lightning bolt and you start to talk like Yeshua, you start to think like Yeshua, you start to um, think and you know process things, walk like Yeshua? No. It takes time. It's a process. You're a work in process. And. The verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, which we're going to start with, kind of spells it out as a process. It says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You see, God works within us. He is working to transform each of us like Yeshua. But it's an incremental thing. It's a process. It's gradual. It's not an instant change. There's a classic portion in the Bible on spiritual growth and change. And it's in Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to get into that in a moment. This section of Scripture gives us Six elements that God's Spirit uses to make us spiritually mature. But before we get into this section of Scripture, we need to discuss why is it so hard to change? Why are bad habits so hard to stop? Why are personal defects so hard to change? Well, I'll give you four reasons. Number one is because I've had them so long. You know, it didn't get them overnight. Many many of us have developed patterns in our lives that were established when we were children. Some of them were coping mechanisms to just get us through difficult and, uh, and emotionally uncomfortable situations. They've just been around. We've been having those habits, those... Those weaknesses, those faults for so long, they're hard to break. So they've been around a long time. The second reason is because, unfortunately, we tend to identify with them. We identify a lot of times with some of our negative habits. And we confuse our own true identity with our problems. We'll tend to say, well, you know, I'm just a workaholic. That's the way I am. Uh, I'm just an overeater. Or i just... You know, I'm not very good at studying. I have trouble studying. I, I, I can't concentrate. Or, uh, you know, I get nervous on planes. I don't like to fly. I always get nervous. I'm just, I'm just a passive person. I'm just a timid person. These are just weaknesses, habits, sayings we do over and over again, and we start to identify with them. Third reason is because every bad habit has a payoff. Yeah, you may not realize it, but every bad habit in your life has a reward behind it, because otherwise you wouldn't do it. Listen, whatever is being repeated is being rewarded. Whatever is being repeated is being rewarded. And that's whether it's self-defeating or not. Anytime there is a negative behavior in your life or mine there's some kind of payoff. There's some kind of reward. You may have to figure out what that reward is or what that payoff is, and decide is it worth it? It may not be quite you may not be quite uh, relevant to you or understanding, but there is a payoff somewhere. Sometimes our negative habits and stubborn actions are masking pain in our life. Sometimes they're coping mechanisms to deal with pain and hardship. Things that have hurt you deep down inside. There are lots of different motivations for negative and self-defeating habits in our lives that cause us to keep repeating them. Even when we know they're not good for us. And the fourth reason it's hard to change bad habits is because Satan fights it. The Bible calls him the accuser. He constantly tries to put negative and defeating thoughts in your mind. He will tell you it's hopeless. You're never going to change. God doesn't like you. Oh, his word says he loves you. Well, yeah, he has to say that, but he really doesn't like you. And you know, you've had this problem all your life. Just give up. Just give in just just you know just live with it or you know if you change you're going to lose all your friends all those your good buddies you know they're going to abandon you so what's it going to take Ephesians chapter 4 is going to be our guide about making hard changes in our life all right key number 1 real change begins with new thinking the way you think affects the way you feel. And the way you feel affects the way you act. I'm going to say that again. The way you think affects the way you feel. And the way you feel affects the way you act. That's why, if you want to change the way you act, you got to start with the way you think. Because when you change the way you think, it will change the way you feel. And when you change the way you feel, You'll start to act differently. The battle is won in the mind. Simple verse. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. There must be a spiritual renewal in your thoughts and attitudes. That is changing the way you think. And that's why... Daily time with God is important. You've got to have daily renewal. You're not going to be able to do it on your own. You're not going to power through it, plow through it. You need the Holy Spirit of God in your life. The Bible calls this the fruits of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit provides fruits. These fruits of the Spirit are an inside job. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, and self-control. You can't change this on your own. You cannot change yourself to be like Messiah on your own strength and power. To really change, you have to stop thinking like the world thinks. Ephesians 4, verses 17 through 19. And this is reading in the complete Jewish Bible version. Therefore, I say this, indeed, in union with the Lord, I insist on it. Do not live any longer as the pagans live. Do not live any long, longer as the unbelievers live, with their sterile way of thinking. And I, saw, I read that, sterile way. What is sterile? It's, there's no life in it. There's no life. Their intelligence has been shrouded in darkness, and they are estranged from the life of God because of the ignorance in them, which in turn comes from resisting God's will. They have lost all feeling, so they have abandoned themselves to sensuality, practicing any kind of impurity, always greedy for more. So what's the Apostle Shaul, of course, who wrote this? What is he saying? He said, don't live the same way as the ungodly. They're confused. Their minds are closed up. They want to listen. They got their own thing. They said they don't want to hear anything else. They don't want to listen to God. They're estranged from God. They don't care about right or wrong. Do you know that usually doing the right thing can be totally opposite from what the world thinks? Whether it's about money, work, sex, family... They've got their own ways or their own versions of doing things. But God's word gives us the answers, gives us the truth. Another verse that speaks to this is Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect saying, do not conform to the values and the opinions of the world. Instead, let God transform you. God transform you in teaching you the right and true way to think. If you want to be transformed, you can't be conformed. If you want to be transformed, you can't be conformed to the world. Now, I know sometimes that can be easier said than done because... Culture and media and everything is all around us constantly, especially in this day and age of the Internet and 24-hour news and television and cable and everything. 1 Corinthians 3.19 says, For the wisdom of the world is foolishness in the sight of God. For it is written, He catches the clever in their craftiness. The wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. What the world calls smart, God calls stupid. Is that silly? You can't do it on your own. Let the Spirit change your way of thinking. The renewed mind equals new thinking. Real change requires new thinking. So if it's going to be the Holy Spirit, how does the Holy Spirit do this? Well, real change. Requires learning the truth. This is element number two. Real change requires learning the truth. This is an all familiar verse that you should all know. And Yeshua said in John chapter 8, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. When you know the truth, the truth is going to set you free. We're all familiar with that. But you know what else Yeshua said? What he prayed the night before he was hanged on the execution stake? John 17 Verse 17 says, He prayed to his Heavenly Father, make them holy in truth, because your word is truth. He was saying, God, use the truth to make them complete. Make them complete in your lives, because your word is true, Lord. The secret to personal change is not willpower, and it certainly isn't pill power. It's not making resolutions every New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, whenever that is. The secret to personal change is knowing and applying the truth, which is the word of God. We're back in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 and 15. And He said, as a result, we are no longer to be like children tossed around by the waves and blown all over by every wind of teaching by the trickery of men, with cunning and deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all ways into Messiah, who is the head. Why is the truth so important? Because behind every self-defeating behavior is a lie that I am believing. It may be something about myself that is not true. It may be something about life that is not true. It may be something about my past. It might be something I'm believing about others that's not true. I may be le- believing a lie about God. It may be believing a lie about the future. Yeshua said, he said, I am the truth. Yeshua is the truth. Ephesians 4.21. If you really listen to him and were instructed about him, Then you learn that since what is in Yeshua is what? Truth. The more you get to know Yeshua, HaMashiach, the more truth you have in your life. The truth is in Him. The truth is in God's Word. That's why reading, studying, understanding, putting His Word in your life is so important. Here's another familiar verse to many of you. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and useful for teaching, for reproof, for restoration, for training in righteousness, so that the person belonging to God may be capable, fully equipped for every good deed. See, the Bible shows us the path to walk on, shows us how to walk. It'll tell us when we're off his path. And it tells us how to get back on the path when we are off. It shows us how to stay on the path. Real change requires learning the truth, and the truth is in God's word. Number three, real change requires cleaning house. Real change requires cleaning house. Now, that house cleaning will depend... On what you want to change in your life. If you want a healthy body, maybe it means getting rid of all that junk food in the cupboard. Maybe it means staying away from McDonald's every day. If you want a healthy mind, maybe it means putting accountability software on your computer so that you don't visit inappropriate websites. Maybe it means you need to turn off the TV. If you want to get more things done in your life, maybe you need to Clear out what's unimportant or frivolous activities from your schedule. It's a cleaning house. Ephesians four, verse twenty two says With respect to your former lifestyle, you are to lay aside the old self corrupted by its deceitful desires. Do some cleaning, do some streamlining. Another verse from in Hebrews twelve one. It says therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also get rid of every weight and entangling sin. Let us run with endurance the race set before us. Can you imagine running a race with a bunch of heavy stuff, you know, carrying extra weights? You know, if you're if you're competing in the race, do you want to wear like heavy shoes and all this heavy stuff and I so, said, no, a runner wouldn't do that. They streamline. They get rid of the junk. Same thing with uh, like competitive swimmers. right? They wear these special suits that are streamlined. They even shave their body hair. Yes, even the guys do because they don't want anything to slow them down in the water. It's getting rid of everything that you don't need, everything that's superfluous. It's cleaning house. Getting rid of every weight and entangling sin. That's cleaning house. Lightening the load. Getting rid of the junk in your life. It's making you more agile spiritually. Number four, real change requires honest community. Now, there are some things in your life that can be very difficult to change on your own. You're going to need support. You're going to need a small group, a Havarah. You're going to need to be in a group, you know, a, a Bible study, a men's group, a women's group. To make a football analogy, sometimes in order to tackle the guy with the ball, it takes several players to bring him down. He's so big, he's so strong, he's moving so fast, you need help. Same thing with bad habits. Same thing with addictions. Same thing with weaknesses. You need to be able to have honest, gut-level conversations. And that is where small groups, havaraz, Bible studies, men's group, women's group, like-minded believers together, understanding believers who can come together and help and support each other. It can take time to build that trusting relationship. But real and lasting change is possible. Ephesians 4.25 says, So lay aside lying, and each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for members of one another. Hey, we're all in this together. Sometimes you think you got troubles. Well, I bet your neighbor's got troubles too. No more pretense. Tell your neighbor the truth. If you lie to each other, you end up lying to yourself. Let's be honest. We use a lot of energy pretending. If you want real change, you're going to have to face your fear and be honest. It's not easy, I know. Because when you face your fear, this is the key, when you face your fear, it takes the power away. You have just taken the enemy's power away that fear that's trying to hold you into that, you've just taken his power away. Our biggest impediment to real change can be our just trying to look good. But the real honest truth is we've all got issues, we've all got troubles. Here's another verse. Ephesians 4 and verse 32. He says, instead, be kind to one another, compassionate, Forgiving each other, just as God and Messiah also forgave you. Havara groups. Authentic, honest community. It's key for overcoming bad habits, stubborn sin, that kind of stuff. Honest community is really important. Number five. Faster change requires coaching. You want faster change in your life. A coach, a tutor, a trainer, someone who can check in on you, help you, someone who can mentor you. This principle is found in the Bible. Joshua was coached by Moses. Elisha was mentored and coached by Elijah. Yeshua certainly mentored and coached his 12 Tamadine. And Paul mentored and coached Timothy. What did Paul say to Timothy in chapter two, verse two of 2 Timothy two two says, "And what you have heard from me among many witnesses, entrust to faithful people who will be able to who will be capable to teach others also." See, Paul said to Timothy, "I want you to take the things I taught you and pass them other, on to other faithful men and women who will then pass them on to still others." faithful men and women. I've had spiritual coaches in my life, and they have helped me over the years. And that has enabled me to pass things on to you. Sometimes it takes coaching. And number six, real change requires faith. You have to believe that you can be different with God's help. You have to believe that you can change with God's help you have to believe that God can transform you. Ephesians 3, verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do far beyond all that we may ask or imagine by means of his power that works in us. God is willing and able to do big things in your life. With all these keys to change, all these six keys, ultimately, you have to believe God can do it it takes some faith you see philippians 4:13 says i can do all things through messiah who strengthens me it's not of my strength it's not of your strength it's through messiah's strength it's the can do attitude Yeshua said in Matthew 9, verse 29, when he was healing this person, he said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. You know, Rosh Hashanah is around the corner. You get to choose how much change, how much you can change this coming year. You get to choose how God blesses your life. You get to choose how many character qualities are strengthened, How many bad habits, how many defects are weakened in your life? Because he said, according to your faith, it will be done unto you. If you want to have change in your life, you've got to start with your mind. You've got to let the Holy Spirit change you. How? Getting in the word every day. Let his truth change you. You need to be in a group. You need to be in fellowship. You need to be with like-minded believers. It's not going to happen on your own. You can't do it on your own. You're going to need a mentor, a discipler, an accountability partner. And then you have to believe that change can happen. The things in your life that you never thought could change, they can change. That is what it means to rethink your life. Shabbat shalom to me.